Hello and welcome to Crack Encrypteds and Curios. This is Matt, once again joined by Angel. I must say you are looking good, Angel. A nice rebound from that nasty hibernation you subjected yourself to. You lost those 34 pound puppies as you refer to them. The Appalachian Mountain Man motif is gone. Things are getting back to normal. But more importantly, Angel, those of our curiosities that listen to our Hellraiser movie review and discussion were given a nice, succulent, mouth-watering treat. Of course, I am not talking about the absolute bomb you dropped in that episode when you said the movie made your hair curl and scared your socks off straight off your body, right off your feet. That fright hit you, hit your core so deeply it made you feel ill, you said. I'm not talking about when you had to watch with your fingers in front of your face. I am talking of the behind the curtain peek of you inviting our listeners to your kitchen in that episode. So in preparation for watching Hellraiser, we each made a very special dish called Heaven and Earth, which I found in a cookbook from the 80s. Something that a lot of people don't know about you is that you are a major foodie beyond just general cooking. As a hobby, you have a specific thing you do called food reversing. It seems kind of convoluted, so let me know if I get any part of this wrong. Food reversing is where you make specific meals, but you change the biggest factor, the temperature of the food. What this means is that if a recipe calls for you to cook food, you don't. If you... You make it into a cold dish, and what would typically be a cold dish, you alter into a cooked meal. The most blatant examples, when you make sushi, you cook it at 400 degrees for 15 to 20 minutes. Or if you make scrambled eggs, you just put them in a cocktail shaker, shake it all about, and drink them. My my personal favorite, Angel, is when you make a traditional French steak tartare, but you replace the raw chopped sirloin for ground beef. And then, of course, you cook it in the form of a patty. I recall the first time you made it, I said, Angel, wait, that's just a hamburger. And you said, no, you're stupid. It's not. It's reverse steak tartare with ground beef substitute. So I must ask, what have been some of your favorite food reverses over the years? You know, gazpacho is... Piping hot. It's actually pretty good when it's hot. A little, it's weird because, you know, you talk about cooking, but you didn't mention like the fermented foods. Mm-hmm. So I like mm-hmm. a lot of foods that are typically fermented, like pickles. I don't eat them fermented. So just raw cucumbers, um, especially olives. You never find unfermented olives, but just find them on a tree and eat their sweet, sweet bitterness. You just pluck mm, them. So bitter. And a mouthful, your your cheeks pouch up like a gerbil. Just store them in there for a while. Yep. You know, you once, speaking of that, you once told me raw or fermented meats are nutrient dense and chock full with enzymes and super bacterias that help absorb a whole slew of vitamins and keep your gut happy. How did you get into food reversing? I didn't want any of that. I don't want this, those bacteria that make me feel good and healthy. <laughs> so you want to you wanna cook them away? Yes. I have to get rid of them. It's an experiment in, in, in trying to 
free myself from the chains that the bacteria have on me. <laughs> Big bacteria is out to get you. Yeah, I mean, you know, you eat the wrong thing and suddenly you're doing all kinds of weird and loopy things. Why are you waking up at the neighbor's house at three in the morning completely nude? I don't know. It must have been my gut bacteria. So that's why you had to start food reversing. Yes. Yep. Is there any special dish you would not food reverse? Balut. I think that's what it's called. What the hell is that? That is, uh, I believe, I don't want to, I don't want to offend or get it wrong. So I need to. The first thing that jumped in my mind was like whale <laughs> or something. I don't know why. <laughs> it is South China and Southeast Asian. It's fertilized developing egg. Oh, is this where like part of the like thing is formed? Like yeah, the chicken so it's, or it's duck like, or whatever? Yeah, so it's like an embryo and then that's mm-hmm. boiled and eaten from the shell. Mm. So you cook it or eat it raw? <laughs> I eat it raw. <laughs> oh, that's probably real juicy, and it just drips out of your mouth, down your chin. I eat it raw as it first comes out of the of the, of animal. the animal. Yeah, so it's essentially a raw egg, <laughs> freshly ha- or <laughs> expelled from the hen. Yeah. Oh my god, you're disgusting. <laughs> Shell and all. I swallow it like a a, a, a mom. Like, like a like a snake your jaw like, and just, yeah. <laughs> just goes, you can see the lump going down my throat. <laughs> you have to have someone on standby to hit your back. <laughs> well, I I can't wait for your next big recipe, but we have more important things to get to. This episode, we dive back into some absolutely bonkers news stories. As we have seen over the years and the type of content that we look at on this show, there is some crazy shit going out there in the world, and it's amazing the human race has made it this far. Each of us has identified two news articles, (laughs) like inhaled like a bug, it felt like, (laughs) two news articles that jumped out at us for one reason or another. So we will look at what they are and discuss what the hell is happening Sometimes, however, we are just left with more questions, like why does Angel do food reversing? Are you ready? Yep. Yep. My first article ties into a recent episode, Angel. One of our favorites that we have done is in the news. I'm speaking of those nasty, tricksy, black-eyed children. Now, when we first started the show... One of the purposes of the news article segments was to help track how often these entities appeared in articles. And by God, it happened. It finally happened. A wish come true, I dare say. Something written right around when we released an episode about it. This article comes from MysteriousUniverse.org and is titled Bizarre Cases of the Black-Eyed Kids in Suburbia. I can only hope one of the bizarre cases is similar to the one you told in the BEK episode, Angel, about the lady and her husband who was aggressively outside a lot during his life. (laughs) I truly enjoyed that story very much. (laughs) It's so good. I won't read the entire article, however, because it is nearly the size of a dissertation on the Black Eyed Children encounters and would take far too long. It would be longer than our entire episode about them was. 
So we'll just skip around and see some of these bizarre cases and what they are all about. Suburbia is on notice, Angel. But before we get into it, this attack on suburbia by black-eyed children makes me think, Angel, what would be the top three cryptids that we have looked at that would do well in suburbia, in your opinion? To me, that's easily um, the Suchinoko. Loves the drink. <laughs> just going to roll around. <laughs> roll down the sidewalk. <clears throat> yep. Just uh, getting alcohol from strangers. Yep. Knocks <clears throat> on their door. <laughs> May I use your telephone? <laughs> Uh, and speaking of drinking, the next one would be the Snallygaster. So that's another one. <laughs> Just swoops down. Yeah, yeah. And uh, probably Santa Claus. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's his. That's his playground. <laughs> yep. Suburbia. <laughs> who would be the one who would fit the worst? Mrs. Claus. She's too, <laughs> she's too busy doing all of Santa's work, and she can't be cooped up in a house. I'm trying to think of the what she did with like the icicle, and then she like <clears throat> took a thread of moonlight and like mm-hmm. sewed a sock together. She yeah. was amazing. <laughs> Very interesting episode that was. <laughs> and then she like had the painted like the Easter eggs, eggs or something. I can't remember that exactly, or provided pretty, the eggs. Pretty sure they had with her magic mag- chickens. They had magic items from some magic land that they ran away from, and they mm-hmm. had it with them. I don't know. <laughs> then she gave them all away. She's too nice. Now, if you didn't listen to our Black Eyed Kids episode, uh, first off, what the hell? Go back and listen. But secondly, this article by Brent Swanser starts off and gives us a little refresher on what these entities are. One of the weirdest corners of the paranormal is that of what are called Black Eyed Kids or also BEKs. That sentence seems oddly worded to me, but that's neither here nor there. Black-eyed kids have been reported for decades and generally follow a certain frightening pattern. They appear as children, usually in pairs, but not always, and usually appear mostly, but not always, as we shall see, in rural or sparsely populated areas. So first off, Angel, usually, but not always, these black-eyed kids are nigh unpredictable, right? That's that's what it seems like, right? (laughs) Who knows how they're going to show up? They might just they might just show up in daylight or at nighttime, possibly. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> or, or you might be one you're, <laughs> you, yourself. Yep. They typically appear as normal children from afar, but a closer inspection will, will reveal that they have a sickly, pale pallor to them, and that their eyes are completely dark pools of black without any discernible iris or pupil, akin to the eyes of a shark. Although the tales may vary in their details, these mysterious entities are almost always described as exuding an intense wave of dread and panic, some could say almost a fog, and their eyes are said to have a certain disturbing, sinister, and hypnotic quality to them. Almost every report of BEKs involve the children begging to be let into the homes or vehicles. These requests often start out innocent and polite enough, usually gently asking for a ride or to use the phone, but not surprisingly due to their off-putting black eyes and clinging aura of fear, the homeowner or driver will be reluctant to comply. 
This will cause the strange kids to become increasingly demanding, desperate, and foul-tempered, sometimes even violent, such as banging or scratching on a house or car doors. Oh no. It is all spooky to be sure, but far from what one might expect to happen way out in the rural boondocks in the middle of nowhere, such cases are also reported from perfectly normal suburban areas, and here we will look at some bizarre cases of this. So before we do that, Angel, you have made it to the promised land. You are amongst an elite crew. You now own a home. It is 2.18 a.m. You hear a strange knock upon your front door. You say, as you normally do, Hark! What is rapping upon my door at this frightful hour? You investigate and find two pale children with eyes like black holes. They, of course, listened to our BEK's episode and took notes. And when I asked what are the top ways a BEK could ask to get into someone's house, they sheepishly say, Our mother dropped us off and said, You are our real father. May we use your phone? Flabbergasted by this revelation, what do you do? Oh my god, children, come on in, please. Oh my god, you must be freezing out there in the cold and in the dark. What is happening? Come on, come on, come on in. She Have a seat. Oh, I'll get you a phone as soon as I... Wait a minute. I had a vasectomy 20 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> that That's how it would go. But what if they have, like, the Andy Milonakis disease and they just, they're old, but they look young? <laughs> you didn't think about that? I did not. <clears throat> Let's see how the people in this article fared. This first one is somewhat timely with Halloween just passing. This all seems like a campfire story scenario, Angel. Almost like we need spooky ambient noises to immerse ourselves the article reads on one rather spooky report comes from reddit user sarah beth 11 who claims that she had never even heard of the beks before her harrowing incident and didn't even really believe in the paranormal at the time but her mind was about to change she says it had been a slow trick-or-treat night in her neighborhood that evening which was unusual in and of itself as there were usually lots of kids about but it was going to get really weird really fast. At around 10 p.m., she says that she was in the living room watching TV with her husband when he decided to go to bed for the night, leaving her on the couch with their dog, Chloe. She could hear the sound of the water running from her husband's shower turn on upstairs, and then she heard knocking at the front door. Right as this happened, she she says her dog jumped off the couch to go to the back door and scratch at it like she wanted to get out which the witness says was uncharacteristic behavior. The dog also seemed to be in a state of panic. Now, Angel, you yourself have a dog. Has he ever gone into a primordial panic and barked at the door? Yes. Yes, he has. Actually, not at the door. I think he's barked at the wall. You got you got wall PEKs. <laughs> yep. Or maybe people living in them. <laughs> That's... <laughs> I put them there. (laughs) At first, she thought it was just some (laughs) trick-or-treaters. All I keep thinking is her yelling out, Hark! Who's rapping (laughs) upon my door at this frightful frightful hour? hour. (laughs) But the porch light was off, and it was a little late for that. A car then drove by, and she could see through the window in the passing light the silhouettes of two small children outside. 
Thinking they were some neighborhood kids, she looked outside and could see that they were kids she had never seen before, a girl and a boy, and they oddly weren't wearing costumes. She was getting an uneasy feeling at this point, but she nevertheless went to the door to see what the kids wanted, opening it just a crack. The kids were quite small, wearing regular street clothes, and they just stood there, neither one of them saying trick or treat. The girl seemed to be 11 or 12 years old with blonde hair, and the boy looked 9 or 10 with brown hair, but she could not see the faces because most of the light was coming from behind them. The girl then asked if they could use her phone to call their mom, which was immediately odd, but it got stranger when she asked why they didn't have their own cell phone. Angel, in this moment you are Sarah Beth 11. You have never heard of BEKs. It is Halloween. Two kids show up and ask to be able to call their mom. How does this trigger a sense that is immediately odd to you? They're not wearing any costumes. What's up with that? What if they're just out? Maybe they were done. They took their costumes off. Maybe someone stole their costumes. <laughs> Why are they trick-or-treating without their parents? I did it a crap ton of times. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what's mm-hmm. odd about any of this. Yeah, so far, to me, nothing is screaming, Oh my god, there's demon kids outside. <laughs> But, or it's just like the, the sense that this could be odd. But maybe that's me. Maybe I'm too trusting. The article goes on. She says of the surreal scene, Both kids turned to look at one another like they were going to say something to one another, but neither ever spoke. They both turned back to me and the girl said, Ma'am, my cell phone battery doesn't have any charge left in it. Can we please come inside and call our mother? We're alone out here and my brother is scared. <laughs> I have to admit there were two competing feelings going on inside me. The first, that of a mother's heart that wanted to help these two small children get to their mom. The other, a sinking fear in my gut that was keeping the other feeling at bay. It was when I noticed that during this short conversation, I'd already opened the door a few extra inches, which I was completely unaware of doing. I stopped. Honey, why don't you give me your mother's number and I can call her myself? Another pause and they looked at one another. After a short moment, they turned back to me and the girl said, Ma'am, my little brother has to use your bathroom. Can we please come inside while you call our mom? (laughs) And with that last statement, the little girl moved closer toward the door like she was going to just walk on in by me. As she did, she stepped into the light coming from inside the house and I got my first real good look at her. Solid, jet black eyes, that's all I could see. That motherly instinct was gone and replaced by terror I didn't think I've ever felt in my life. I could feel every hair on my arms and back of my neck standing at attention. I closed the door to where just my face was able to stick out. She slammed the door and could hear the girl out there still pleading to let them in. And then both kids began to whimper and cry. She wanted to run upstairs to get her husband, but was terrified out of losing track of those creepy kids. (laughs) So she decided to call a neighbor, at the same time noticing that her dog was cowering in the corner and shaking with fear while staring at the door. She says of what happened next. When I got to my phone and started to look for his contact info, it was only then the kids stepped away from the door and began to walk to the street. As they did, I walked to the door to get a better look to see where they went. If you get close enough to the glass, you can see out enough to make out people's shapes, but you can't see much detail. Of course, standing that close to the door would make you plenty obvious to anyone outside looking in. From the door, 
I could see that the kids were still standing under the street lamp nearest my house, staring at me. As I lifted the phone to my ear after calling, only then did the kids start walking down the street. I met my neighbor out under the lamp once he was out there, but the kids were nowhere to be seen. Just like that, Angel, the BEKs hit the old dusty trail and vanished. What do you make of this encounter? Does it seem like a vintage BEK material? It does, actually. It, in fact, it's a little suspiciously too much. like <laughs> Too much the, on the nose? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, I've never heard of these. And this is my experience, and it just happens to match the experiences that have been written in the past. Strange. Suspicious? Yeah. You're saying it's it's sus? I, I'm saying it's sus. <laughs> um... The, the one thing that caught my attention was one of the kids seemingly just started to walk in without an actual invitation. Is this a breaking of standard BEK rules? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's like um, the scenario you posed to me earlier where, where they took notes. They listened to our BEK episode and they're getting smarter. So <laughs> mm-hmm. the little oh, girls God. get using psychology to mm-hmm. like move forward to kind of let the mother be like, oh, she, she'll let me in because she, she sees me moving. Mm-hmm. It's but, like the act of, um, it's like a, a passive yes. If she's not, if she doesn't close the door, I am being welcomed inside. Yeah. They're evolving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to talk Frank here, Angel. I don't believe in black eyed kids. And I, I think the story was just two kids trying to call their mom if it even happened. But what would you do? To make that story a tad bit scarier, I would say that children was were would be wearing oversized clothing. <laughs> that would make it scarier. Yes, like a long shirt that just reaches all the way down, like to down them. to their knees. Yeah, <laughs> like the the early two thousand like uh, Looney Tunes gangster, <laughs> yes. um, like Taz with yep. Uh, a basketball shirt on and with his arms crossed and like Daffy Duck looking real thug like backwards cap (laughs) be like where'd you get that kid (laughs) that's a collector's item (laughs) or what was that other brand like big dog top top dog I think it was where they're like the dogs were just like they always had their arms crossed (laughs) and they had real bulging muscles I used to have one of those kinds but it was like an actual dog like it wasn't like anthropomorphic <laughs> it was like a rottweiler barking at you <laughs> did he have clothes on though no oh bummer and then there's the maui ones it was like all sharks i never saw those no oh man those are great <laughs> what a time that was wow. <laughs> so many options in your clothing to Shark express yourself looney tunes <laughs> <laughs> Another alleged encounter the article details is as follows. Redditor in the labyrinth claims that he was visiting his mom's house, which lies in an affluent suburban community with, quote, tidy lawns and plenty of neighbors. (laughs) What a way to describe an affluent suburban community. At around (laughs) 11 p.m., he left to go home, and even at that late hour, it was such a safe and well-lit community that he had no reason to be scared of anything. But that that was about to change. He got into his car, waved to his mom, and drove off, and says that a thunderstorm soon appeared, and he also noticed that he was running out of gas. 
As he looked for a gas station, he says he saw two figures walking on the side of the street, shrouded in shadow, and apparently hitchhiking. For some reason, these two figures filled him with an inexplicable anxiety. He tried to put it out of his mind as he found a gas station and pulled into the 24-hour pump. He says of what happened next. (laughs) Suddenly, the overhang lights of the gas stop started flickering wildly, a couple going out altogether. It seemed as if the temperature dropped 20 degrees in a few seconds and I glanced around, a sinking feeling starting to blossom in my stomach. As if in slow motion, I turned around, facing back towards the road. The long, lonely road and saw what I expected to see there. But even as I knew what I'd see, I still felt that drop of my stomach. The color draining from my face and I breathed a sharp, cold breath forcefully as it almost caught my throat. What do you make of the encounter so far, Angel? The light flickering seems to be on par for the BEKs as they love to mess with electronics and the such, right? Yeah, they're trying to knock down that internet. <laughs> did did they call the thunderstorm, though? Did they conjure it? Or I did mean, they just happen to be there? If, if the light's flickering is because of the thunderstorm that they caused, then they're really... Then that means the BEKs just, like, do everything very indirectly. Uh-huh. It, it's like the aggressively, being aggressively outside gets you aggressive cancer. Mm-hmm. And that's somehow attributed to the BEKs. Like, what? They were playing the long con in that one. <laughs> <laughs> they control the sun's rays. <laughs> the article goes on. Across the street, the two figures were standing, facing me. They started crossing the street slowly, but surely I slowly, but surely, and I fumbled with the gas pump. It had only been a few moments, but it seemed as if the gas pump was taking its precious time. It's like it knew. <laughs> I was shaking hard now as thunder boomed once more, and I looked back up. The figures were now at the entrance to the gas stop, and my breath was quick and shallow as I blindly shoved the pump back into its holder, not being able to tear my eyes away from the figures. As they drew closer, I became more frantic, even though now as they walked into the flickering light of the overhang, I saw they were just two teenagers. They looked ragged and frigid and soaked from the rain. (laughs) Now I just picture them wearing Looney Tunes gangster shirts. (laughs) I straightened up a bit, still terrified, but another compulsive feeling similar to the one I experienced in the car was bubbling, and I felt obligated to talk to these two, though... I insisted myself to just drive away, not to risk anything. He ended up getting into his car to leave, but before he could get his keys out and and start it, the two kids were practically right next to the vehicle. He says of the rather terrifying account that followed. They're extremely close now at the next pump, and when uh, when I slid into my car, shaking wildly and fumbled for my keys, cursing myself as I dropped them on the floor, Leaning down, I swiped them up and sat back up. I cold, sickening feeling as I came face to face with one of the teens who had his hand on my window, knocking slowly but forcefully. I rolled down the window a bit, just a bit, no bigger than to allow maybe a small child's hand through. They could have just stuck their little hands in. Before <laughs> I spoke, he spoke first, the other figure standing in the background still, but I could see something of a grin on her pale face. Can you give us a ride into town? We missed the bus and don't have a ride. (laughs) He spoke slow, and something about his voice made me shiver, a cold, 
chill swept down my spine and I opened my mouth, but no sound came out. Did they do that? <laughs> Clearing my throat, I glanced at the dashboard and at the keys in my hand. I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going into town, I stuttered, keep my, keeping my eyes down, not at the kids. <laughs> However, the teenager knocked harsher and made me jump a little as he insisted another time for a ride. I told him no. I told him no once more and looked up, trying to seem intimidating, which seems silly, trying to seem intimidating to a child, but a horrible, chilling sight greeted me. I looked the kid right in the eyes and gasped <gasps> sharply, my back hitting my seat as I went to back away. He had eyes. Oh, he did. But they were blacker than the night, pitch black. No discernible pupils and no white whatsoever showing pure black, deep, brooding, and surprisingly intriguing, <laughs> but my fear got the better of me, and I quickly turned the key on my engine revved to life. I thanked God, which I had never, ever done before tonight. What? My car had not <laughs> stalled and went to pull away, and the kid banged on my window with a pale fist, screaming for a ride. Give me a ride, he yells. Oh my God. I can only imagine. I just pictured this guy driving away and the kid banging on the window. <laughs> I want a ride! And the story ends there. What do you think of this one and these kids bullying this poor guy for a ride, Angel? <laughs> First of all, so that, much happened in that. That ending reminded me of this movie. Who's in it? Stephen King movie. Um. With, uh, with snippets of stories. Mm. Uh, the Creep Show. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Um, <laughs> where this, I forget what the story was. A woman was at a party or something, and she's drunk, and she's going home in her car. And there's a hitchhiker on the side of the road. And he's like, she hits him or something? I don't know what happens. <laughs> she put him in the back of his car, too? <laughs> no, she... she I don't know what happened, but she ends up hitting him and killing him again or something. And she's freaking out, going home. And he keeps showing up. And he keeps saying, thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> <laughs> I picture him sounding like the guy from Happy Gilmore. That's like taunting Happy Gilmore <laughs> the whole time from the audience. <laughs> sounding and looking like that guy. Very sarcastically yelling, thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. I just, it's, this, this story was, you know, it's it's like, it's the same, it follows the same Patterns. setup. It, and, and then and, the big reveal at the end, the eyes, angel, yeah. the eyes. And the thing is, I step back and I'm pretending like I'm watching this happen in a movie. And all I'm seeing is some guy freaking out over nothing. Mm -hmm. Like some kids show up and he's like, oh, God, oh no. <laughs> but I guess just the aura that they're pushing off of, them, of themselves is just so strong. They have like insane charisma, I guess. They're just they have a presence. Well, that's the other thing. If if they're so charismatic, why is it that the fear takes over that these people never help these children? Yeah, they're they're. I feel like they need to change their pattern of like <laughs> not being so fearful, but maybe looking uh, helpless yeah. could help them um, be like swept up. Like parental care just takes over the the person that they want to do whatever the hell they do 
things to, uh, <laughs> just takes them in and like hugs them. And then it's like, Ooh, yeah, now I got you. <laughs> and then after you pull away from the hug, you see the eyes. <laughs> yep. Yep. Just like the orphan. <laughs> I think I saw that movie. I don't remember. I'm I think sure I, I saw it too. <laughs> <laughs> I can picture the cover of the movie. Yeah. I think it's a little girl. Yeah. Overall, what do you think of the BEK encounters? Do you find any of them scary or even intriguing? I don't think they're sc- I don't think they're scary. I do think they're a little intriguing. I guess, you know, people are trying to flex on their creative writing skills or something. Mm-hmm. But it's always it's always funny to me because it's like the one guy who who couldn't pay his internet bill. <laughs> it's like, all right. <laughs> we want to see Mortal Kombat guy. <laughs> And this other guy who's freaking out while pouring gas into his car. Like, mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> I, I, I picture it like if it was a, in a movie, he would have fumbled and dropped the keys. Yeah. And then like would have kicked him under the car and would have had to lay down in his stomach and swipe at them underneath his car. And then it gets, <laughs> yep. it gets up just at the right moment. <laughs> and then it's just two kids saying, hey, mm-hmm. give us a ride. <laughs> when they could have just like bum rushed him. Instead of Mike Myers, Mike Myers walk, walk. slow yeah. walk. <laughs> <laughs> yep. They uh, all so overall the stories to me they seem very formulaic and and it's almost as if you have read one of them you have read them all. So let's do a small experiment. I need you, Angel, to give me the most unformulaic black-eyed kid story possible. It just so happens that there is a most unformulaic. Black Eyed Kid story out there. You won't find it on the internet yet. So I'll just dictate it to you. <clears throat> this isn't me, alright? Obviously, because the person in the story, his name is Chad. Okay? Chad? Chad, yeah, Chad. He back in high school. Right, so, so pretend I'm Chad. So I'm just going to tell it to you in mm-hmm. first person. So back in high school. I knew these kids named Josh and Kyle. We weren't really friends, but we'd talk every now and then. They were a bit snotty. Anyway. Snotty? (laughs) I'm 20 years graduated from high school, and I'm married, and I own a home, and I have kids. I've, you know, I'm, I'm successful in my own way. The strangest thing happened to me while shopping for clothes with the wife. The old ball and chain. (laughs) The old ball and chain. While my wife was in the dressing room, two kids came up to me. And there was a taller blonde one. He started saying to me, hey, Chad Berry, what's the Dukes? (laughs) What's the Dukes? (laughs) You you went for a little five-finger discount? (laughs) (laughs) And my... (laughs) My hair... My hair stood on end because Chadberry was what Josh used to call me. You called Chadberry? Like a strawberry, but a Chadberry? And, and upon further thought, these kids look exactly like them, not aged a day since high school. Oh no, they got the Milanakis disease. Kyle then spoke up. Chester, cat got your tongue? You went for this dukus? <laughs> that, that's what I noticed. Their eyes were 
hunchback. <laughs> and how had I not noticed it before? It's so strange. <laughs> were they black? The, the eyes were black the whole time? Uh, yep. I felt as if I were in a trance. And then when I finally spoke, I said, Hey, kids, get out of here. But then Josh snotty laughed again <laughs> and said, Watch out, thief. And I looked down. <laughs> beef? Watch out, beef. <laughs> he called me a thief because <laughs> I, I happened to look down when he said that. And I found myself holding a pair of trousers with the electronic tag still on it. And then I realized I was no longer in the department store. So I'm like freaking out. Like, how did this happen? How did I steal these pants? And I look back up and, and the kids were gone. When suddenly I see the security guards coming towards me. But just then the power flickers and it goes out. So I made my escape in the darkness. <laughs> Two years later. It's <laughs> still going. Yeah, that's right. Two years later, I caught up with some old high school friends, and I asked about Josh and Kyle. Here, Here's the weird part. Josh? You know what Josh is doing now? He lived in Europe for the past 10 years, and he has terminal cancer. As for Kyle, he's been in prison for the last five years. My friends then confided in me that they each got a visit from some kids that looked like them two years ago. The same day that I got my visit. So I decided to pay Josh a visit. I bought a ticket to Europe and I found him. He was very what ill. What to find the prison guy? <laughs> he was very ill and old looking. When I finally made my presence known, he looked at me in horror and he died. <laughs> I, happened no. to, I happened to pass in front of a mirror in his room and that's when I saw it. My <laughs> eyes were pitch black. And that's the end. It's like I said earlier. <laughs> yep. you it could be you. <laughs> it could be you. Wow. In my head when you said that, I was like, oh, crap. Did he see something? How does he know? <laughs> that was very unformulaic. <laughs> now you have to hunt down the guy in prison. <laughs> Kill him, too. <laughs> well, you know, the idea is that because they hung out with me and I had the black eyes, I indirectly caused all these issues for them years later on. <laughs> Goddamn Chadberry. Chadberry. <laughs> oh, any final things you want to say about black eyed kids? Black eyed children. It's just like uh from the first uh the, our episode about them. I I think it's just all made up. <laughs> I completely forgot about Pliny the Digital and getting his opinion on this. <laughs> it's been too long. So uh, maybe he's still alive. I don't know. <laughs> he's in prison. <laughs> he's in the digital volcano. Ash. <laughs> Our next article feels like something straight from one of your hobbies to the point when I saw this article, it made me pause and say, is, is this written about Angel? It is titled, Artist Uses Hundreds of Dead Insect Body Parts to Create Frankenstein Warriors. And by God, that may be the single greatest headline <laughs> I have read. The article goes on to detail the art of Juice Habrakan, 
a biology, it's probably not pronounced juice, but that's how I read it, a biology graduate from Belgium who creates warrior figurines out of hundreds of different dead insect body parts. The article states, typically, he typically spends between 20 and 30 hours working on each of his Frankenstein bugs. Sounds like something you'd call one of your creations, a Frankenstein bug. Fantastic creatures born out of his imagination and featuring intimidating names and impressive backstories. He uses body parts sourced from his own impressive collection or from a network of people who he has collaborated with over the years. He only uses body parts from already dead bugs and would never even consider killing insects simply to fuel his hobby. I feel like you would. (laughs) A man of a million hobbies. Are you impressed by this hobby, Angel? I am, actually. Uh, The only thing that I'm not impressed by, as you rightfully highlighted, is the fact that he won't kill insects for this. Maybe that was added so that people would not be outraged at the deliberate killing of insects, but I need to remind everyone listening that we have trillions of insects (laughs) out in the world, and they're continuously reproducing every day. There's no way one man, not even... A hundred people doing the same thing that he's doing will not make any insect go extinct. It's just not possible. We can spare a few to make amazing insect warriors with awesome names and backstories. (laughs) (laughs) The earth can spare them. So, (laughs) Juice, he posts his creations on Instagram under the name Scroop Or Shroot Thoop. Shroot Hoop? I don't know. One insanely detailed amalgamation shows a warrior with a bow and arrow and has this description. Hake is the patriarch of his tribe of pygmy swamp jumpers in the Benguelu wetlands. As they age and molt into longer and longer legs, their jumping distance increases exponentially. When a swamp jumper is of hunting age, it will create its own bow and singular arrow. The rank of a hunter is decided by the age of their arrow as an indication of their marksmanship. In the ritual before becoming a hunter, it must track and kill blister beetles, harvesting their secretions as a hunting poison. The cantharidin collected will act as a confusing poison since it is a strong aphrodisiac that destroys the lining of the digestive tract. When hunted by Hake, an excited but painful death overcomes the prey, calling for a mate while bleeding out internally. This is why they are known as the Cupids of Death. What the hell do you make of that backstory, Angel? An excited but painful death. Hake is a goddamn Cenobite. (laughs) He sure is. It just goes to show that that insects, if given... um... Human traits would probably all be Cenobites. <laughs> They're just more evil humans. <laughs> the article states, In the beginning, his creations were simplistic and didn't even have a name or a backstory. But that all changed after the hero with a thousand faces, his first truly complex figurine, for which he used 70 body parts, including 26 insect heads. Can you imagine doing anything with 26 insect heads have you ever thought of doing anything with just one insect head well i've had a few thoughts with just one but never 26 (laughs) they've never crossed your mind of what could i do with 26 insect heads 
set up the alphabet. <laughs> Carve the alphabet into their little tiny hands. <laughs> You're horrible. I looked up this hero with a thousand faces. And my lord, is it awesome. He wrote in the description on his Instagram, This sculpture represents the archetype of the hero, as described in Joseph Campbell's work. The hero's journey is a universal motif of adventure and transformation, which is found in all mythical stories. The hero listens to the call to adventure, crosses the boundary into the underworld, and meets a helper that will give him the necessary weapon, tool, or wisdom to come back. After completing the road of trials and meeting with the goddess, the hero returns with the ultimate boon, the elixir of life. This insect hero is made completely out of insect parts with the addition of a snakeskin outfit. Angel, they have little outfits, little snakeskin armor. Is this not the pinnacle of human art? Everyone needs to stop doing everything now because that's it. This man has won at life and art, as you said. Nothing after this can ever surpass this. I don't think there's a better way to express <laughs> to express Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. <laughs> the most simplistic storytelling of humankind. <laughs> After his first complex project went viral, Juice Habrakan kept challenging himself to create even more complex pieces with his most recent projects featuring between 100 and 200 insect body parts and intriguing backstories. The young Belgian uses super glue to piece hundreds of insect body parts together, spending tens of hours designing and experimenting with each creation. His latest one took a total of 40 hours spread over several weeks to finish. So honestly, the creativity and, and work that goes into these things is astonishing. It reminds me of things like Wolpertinger or even the Jackalope just mashing some things together and creating something new. Uh, but this is like combining that and something like Brian Jacques' Redwall series into one. I'm putting you to task here, Angel. You must make an insect warrior. We will limit you to, at most, five insects being mashed together. What would his name and specialty be as a fighter? All right. Um... And, it, and it better be Samurai. <laughs> Little bug katana. <laughs> Well, I would mash up. You gave me five insects, so I will pick five insects. I will get the praying mantis, the centipede, the earwigs pincers, grasshopper's legs, and the rainbow scarab's shell. Put them all together. I named. I named it the. (laughs) I named it the Gilbert. Because. It is named after the author Elizabeth Gilbert for its unique okay. ability t- for the, its unique ability to eat, prey, jump. Oh my god. <laughs> eat, prey, jump. <laughs> because of the praying mantis. Yes. And the grasshopper legs. Yep. And also, it eats prey and then jumps. Multiple, multiple la- layers there. Uh, it's like an onion. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
When you said Gilbert, I was thinking Gilbert Gottfried. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought you were going to do the voice. <laughs> I put that to rest as, uh, along with his soul. Uh-huh. May you rest in peace. <laughs> Beyond insects, what do you think should be taxidermied into warrior statues? Beavers. Oh, that would be pretty badass. Have like yep. little wooden shields. <laughs> yes. And, um, I don't know, something with their tails. Well, I suppose they they wouldn't want their other tails, because that'd be like they'd be killing other beavers for their tails. I was they thinking, like, rival- tail armor, but that'd be kind of cannibalistic. They make, uh, they take their rivals' tails. I imagine, like, some of them have, like, little belts or necklaces with the <laughs> teeth of the ones that they've killed around them. Yep. As trophies. Man, these beavers got real real bloodthirsty really fast. <laughs> I think I want to see elephants. Some elephants. taxidermied elephant warriors. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, you can go into the whole Hindu pantheon there. See, just think of all these animals we could kill and taxidermy into <laughs> to warrior statues. Hey, now, we wait for them to die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Natural deaths. <laughs> I would like, I know he's listening to us, this guy. Juice. Yeah. I don't want to say his name because I don't want to say it wrong. <laughs> but I know he's listening. You know, we're fairly popular podcast. Everyone loves us. So I've seen your designs, man, but they're all bipedal. I, I want to see something like a centaur-like creature with like multiple legs. and you know. Or even like freaking um, millipede. As the base yes. body. Yes. Yes. Maybe you need to start doing it. <laughs> Make your own. Be the change you want to see, Angel. Well, it's, it's going to have to go on my list of hobbies. The first thing that just jumped into my mind, because of your spherical earth ball things that you do, could do like a a dung beetle and make the sphere, spherical earth ball, and he's like pushing that perfectly sphere ball. Yeah. Or that could be like his thing. He's like he's a he's a fortune teller, and he wherever the ball lays, he he reads it. <laughs> yes, he divines things out of the earth earthen balls. <laughs> so why don't we move on to your news articles? Thank you for that, Matt. As we've all listened to the story about the BEKs. There's a very distinguishing feature about these children, and that is their pitch black eyes. But maybe, maybe there's some fact to this. Because as it turns out, this is the headline, by the way. As it turns out, not the as it turns out part, but the next part (laughs) after as it turns out. As it turns out. (laughs) That's how I start all my articles. (laughs) Humans are descended from sharks, scientists reveal. Whoa. I mean, I don't need to say any more. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. On to the next article. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing about this article is that it actually it starts off sounding like somebody, a journalist, wrote it. And then it just kind of devolves into this, like, giddy person. Like, oh, mm. my God, the possibilities. And it's like, wait, where did all that journalistic... Uh, Ergo, it says, scientists have revealed 
that an ancient shark with paired spines and bony armor may be humans' earliest ancestor. The Paleozoic fossil was retrieved from a site in Shijian County in... Gyu oh, God. I don't want to screw these names up. Gyuzhou Province, Butcher South em. China. Butcher them. <laughs> <laughs> with the finding, scientists have come to understand the existence of human sharks. That sentence right there is, is kind of a little... <laughs> it's already... Human sharks? <laughs> yeah, it's like, ah, humans descended from sharks, therefore human sharks, right? Mm-hmm. The specimen is named Fangjingshanya Renovata after the UNESCO World Heritage Site Fangjingshan, a bizarre fish with bony armor and paired spines, unlike anything scientists have come across today. Human sharks. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then the article just goes, continues with the whole human shark thing. Goes right? It just doesn't rails. drop it. It just <laughs> does not drop it. Human sharks are just not one of the many revelations that shock scientists and could bring humans closer to aquatic life. The rev What? <laughs> I was waiting for the reaction. Cause How? I, I don't... We're gonna be like Gungans living underwater in our <laughs> underwater huts. Oh, it's 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 even better because then it goes on. The revelation that humans may be just the descendants of sharks is funny, considering that not too long ago Florida beachgoers were surprised by the sudden appearance of three sharks during Memorial Day weekend. I really don't understand why that has How's to that do. Funny? With, what, yeah, what that has to do with any of this, like. Here's the thing that's not related to my article, but I'm going to just transition to it. <laughs> humans humans descending from apes is strange because when you go to the zoo, there's monkeys. Like, what? <laughs> uh, we might as well be like um, the guy that was talking about the Nandy bear and throwing buns at the bear makes them look like they're humans. Like, <laughs> isn't it funny? <laughs> Spends two paragraphs talking about the video of the, the shark showing up in Florida. I don't get it. <laughs> they were the human sharks coming to to join us. <laughs> and then so it says the sharks were right next to the beachgoers boat, circling around and getting quite personal with people. If humans were indeed the descendants of sharks, how do we explain the predator-prey relationship we have towards these aquatic animals? Could it be interpreted that humans fear even their ancestors? Checkmate, biologists. That's not in the article, but <laughs> I added that in there. I wholly <laughs> believe that it did say that. <laughs> because it just sounds like that's what it's trying to do. <laughs> like, I stumped the scientist. <laughs> I just don't understand the logic. Like, how do we explain the predator-prey relationship? Like, what do you mean? How do you explain the predator-prey relationship, Matt? Just, the sharks sw swim around the boats, and it's like all of a sudden some the primordial thread within us all that connects prey and predator is this moment with us and sharks. I don't, I don't get the reach here. That is... It, that's it, like uh, that's a reach the size of the forty-year-wide uh, Philadelphia experiment hole in time. It's it's almost like the author is implying that because there's you know we're so we're we're supposed to be related, we shouldn't be 
hurting each other or, or hunting each other or something mm-hmm. like that. And it's like, why not? Like, animals do it all the time. Like humans do it to each humans other. Do like, it to each exactly in the like, entirety of our history and forever will. <laughs> don't understand this 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 tone that this article took. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> like because of this revelation of human shark, we should be like in simpatico with sharks now and just in harmony. Mm-hmm. Wait, but, we're like. We descended from sharks, so I should be able to breathe underwater, right? <laughs> Just jump on in. It's like the sharks were there to to hearken them in back into the water, like like this the lighthouse or something. <laughs> this is your home. <laughs> See, and the questions, the questions that it, the article poses is like, oh, could it be interpreted that humans fear even their ancestors. I'm here thinking, does that mean that the apes descended from sharks? Because then that means mm-hmm. that all apes are also related to sharks. Mm-hmm. That's pretty wild. Yeah, and it's, I don't know. The open sea is in it of itself frightening, let alone what's inside it. It's, are we related to the ocean? <laughs> are we descendants of <laughs> water at this point? Human, water humans? Pretty much, right? Water humans. I mean, we're what? 70% water, right? Yeah, we're water humans now. So, so, so why does water treat me bad? I don't get it. Why do we drink it? Aren't we killing it when we do that? Mm-hmm. It rains on me and it hurts me. <laughs> if I spend too much time inside, in it, it kills me. <laughs> I guess it tries to go. It tries to reel the author tries to reel himself back in. It says Dr. Ivan J. Sansom from the University of Birmingham concluded that the discovery puts into question the existing models of vertebrae evolution. He also stated that the discovery would have a profound impact on the access of evolutionary rates in early vertebrates. These findings are exciting and could answer whether humans are indeed the descendants of sharks. Okay, fine. That's all good. This is kind of like I feel like the, the, the author kind of like went off the rails in the mm-hmm. middle there. And then it's the like, Florida oh. sharks. <laughs> but then it goes on to say, despite all of this, it would still be quite weird for humans and sharks to have this close link. We commonly have described these creatures as predators, threats to our existence. But as it turns out, these creatures might be where we came from. I still don't understand why the author is is stuck on this point i i have never heard anyone say sharks are a threat to human existence <laughs> i mean this is does this person just live by the ocean or something they're gonna come out the street sharks are coming and this is my favorite part because right now it's like okay he keeps questioning the author's name is joshua jones right so joshua uh, keeps questioning about the shark thing. Why Why do we hate sharks if they're related? Whatever. But then he goes on this, uh, this next paragraph. It's even weirder considering that we were once on the verge of having a volcano eruption full of mutated sharks. What? <laughs> if- I mean, he links to whatever he's referring to, but but it's just funny the way that's worded. I'm going to look back at the article in a second, but 
It says, if humans are the descendants of sharks, then do humans suddenly start treating these aquatic animals differently? Emphatically, no. (laughs) I don't get why he's obsessed with that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And what about the movie Jaws? Was Steven Spielberg onto something when he made the film? What? What do you mean onto something? Was there a mention of human sharks in Jaws that I'm not aware of? (laughs) Did they make friends with the shark at the end? I don't Mm -hmm. think that's how it ended. (laughs) <laughs> they blew the goddamn thing up. <laughs> What's more human than that? <laughs> Whatever the case, it's interesting that humans and sharks may have this type of relationship. Only time will t- <laughs> Oh god. Classic. You very familiar with this one. <laughs> I used to end every single high school paper with only time will tell. <laughs> Only time will tell whether these findings do indeed tell us more about our evolutionary history. Knowing how the world works, scientists may discover that we are descendants of other aquatic species. So let me, the the scientists say a volcano full of sharks is constantly erupting, is the headline. And then the subheading is, there's a volcano that is completely full of mutated sharks that is now showing a lot of eruption activity over the last couple of months. This website, it's giant freaking robot, doesn't give me a, an actual date of when this was published. It just says five months ago. So do the math, I guess. <laughs> uh, what was that line about math? Oh, I did the math. <laughs> I did the math. I did the math. The sharks are pouring out of the volcanoes. <laughs> I did the math. There's mutated sharks coming out of volcanoes now. <laughs> The volcanic activity is happening in the Kavachi Volcano, which is located near the Solomon Islands in the South Pacific. According to NASA, the volcano has been showing recent eruption activity over the last month or so with the plumes of smoke detected in the vicinity. While underwater volcano eruptions are never amazing things. (laughs) Yikes. Slamming on underwater (laughs) volcanoes. This particular volcano has some differences in what is actually living in and around the area. Those are species of sharks that have adapted to live in the acidic and very hot conditions present in the volcanic area. So, basically, the mutated sharks are sharks that happen to... They've uh, adapted to live there. Yeah, exactly. So, that's the mutation. (laughs) So... Joshua Jones just ran with it. He's like, mutated sharks, volcanoes, and we're human sharks. Ah! Worded it like they were being thrusted into the air with volcanic (laughs) explosions. Yeah, that was was the visual that he was trying to... live in the lava. (laughs) So, so this is... uh, I want to go on the Joshua Jones route and say, Joshua, you're right. There are human sharks out there. You know what they're called? They're called black-eyed kids. That's mm-hmm. right. They've evolved even more, and they're learning. They're still learning. They're still pro- and 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 it's what you said, Joshua. There's this fear of yes of, of our ancestry in the back of our heads. Because the moment you see that black-eyed child, you are screaming inside. Mm-hmm. You just don't know how to what what it is. You can't put your finger on it, but you cannot trust them. And it's because they are shark. They are more shark than human DNA. <laughs> I don't know if that makes any sense at all, but 
Only time will tell. Only time will tell. <laughs> and that brings me to the next article, which is actually a pretty short article. Headline is Jet Black Shark with Extendable Mouth mm-hmm. Looks Like a Real Life Alien Xenomorph. So I, I again, I posit that this is the next step of evolution in sharks and shark life. So I believe humans are the the middle transition. So from sharks to human to BEKs to back to uh, this weird dog viper thing. <laughs> so it's a, a it's a short article because it's pretty much somebody posted a picture of a viper dogfish on Twitter and it's a, a rare species of shark that lives in the in the deep ocean right so most yeah deep anyone, sea fish are effed up yeah most deep sea fish don't have color they tend to be either like translucent or black and they look like your nightmares this shark is no exception. It it looks like an eel. How do they describe it? It they can eject their jaws out of their mouth to catch prey. So that xenomorph uh, visual is mm-hmm. is pretty pretty um, accurate. And it's a a secondary jaw. Yep. Yeah. You. All you listeners, all you curiosities, uh, need to see that picture because you can't really... You have to see it to believe it. I just wish it would unhinge its jaw as well. To, <laughs> to start engulfing things that it meets <laughs> in the water. Yeah. Um, that's pretty much it. The the, the dog, dog... The viper dogfish or viper shark is seldom seen, obviously, because it lives in the deep. Uh, its existence only being confirmed as recently as 1986, and only a handful of specimens have ever been seen or photographed. The image that went viral was caught around five years ago, and this was written, uh, this is actually written a few days ago, this article, October 18, 2022. The species has been spotted off the coast of Hawaii and Japan. Um, they're not that large though. They only grow to around 60 centimeters, which in American terms is 23 inches, 0.6, whatever. Not that big for fish standards or shark standards. I imagine this is like the, the, the xenomorphs, uh, smaller mouth has its own little mouth. Mm -hmm. So I imagine... In this scenario, because my understanding of xenomorphs is like the one that it kills and then comes out of, it takes the form of. So the aliens that we know of in their form are ones that have, I believe, have killed humans and are in that form. So has this one like killed a deep sea eel and then <laughs> became the viper fish? Um, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, it's it's completely black. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting about this one is that its eyes are not jet black like sharks are. So maybe we are the evolved shark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the BEKs are the ones in transition. Can only hope. <laughs> they also have at least the pictures of blue eyes. And um, the next step is going from blue eyes to brown eyes. So. Are you blue-eyed children? You, you got to step up your evolution game. <laughs> I 
I love the way that the article ends. Even so, you probably wouldn't want to come across a group of them while out swimming. All that deep sea free diving I do. <laughs> where my yeah. lungs implode upon my, myself. Yeah, they're crushed there's to death. No, uh, it's like the people that write these articles have no sense of like, how far <laughs> anybody like does anything. <laughs> Like, nobody ever goes, even if you go uh, diving, you never go <laughs> deep. Like, it's just, nobody does that. It's not possible. I also doubt they hunting groups. I'm just throwing it out there. Don't know anything about them, but I doubt they're a group, uh, a social thing. The pictures only show the head. Maybe they just connect to one giant body and there's just multiple heads. <laughs> it's like a hydra? Like a hydra, yes. <laughs> no. Just one giant thing in the deep ocean and then several heads just go out and search for food. With its double jaw, it has like 14 jaws. <laughs> With that many heads. Yep. It almost looks, when the jaw is out, it almost makes it look like a goblin shark. Which uh, just looks kind of like it has a second jaw, but it's just got a giant nose thing. Anyway, now let's talk about street sharks. <laughs> This this whole conversation was to talk about street sharks. They're the next step in evolution. In relation to street sharks, I'll just leave you with this, Angel. A university professor named Dr. Robert Bolton and his partner, Dr. Luther Paradigm, Paradigm Shift, create a machine known as the Gene Slammer, which is capable of changing aquatic animals into anthropomorphic hybrids by combining their DNA. In this attempt to prevent Paradigm from using the machine for personal power, Bolton is transformed into an unseen monstrosity, but escapes. Later, Paradigm gives Bolton's four sons, John, Bobby, Coop, and Clint, the likeness of four different sharks. Dr. Paradigm captures their friend, Ben's. The resulting street sharks rescue him, and the resulting battle ensues. Paradigm to be combined with Piranha DNA, for which he's often nicknamed Dr. Paranoid. Um, so, street sharks is real life. <laughs> we are all human sharks. Yep. They, I think they were onto something. What do you think about recruiting sharks, human sharks, to fight against the, the battle between? You know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Goddamn pigs. <laughs> the pigs and the nephilim. It'd be like a, a sleeper agent. Whenever somebody goes near the shore, they... Oh, no, they'd be... Oh, if there's, like, street sharks, they could be anywhere. <laughs> Wherever there's paved road. But, uh, I don't know. The whole... That that shark article about the humans being descendants of sharks. I, I imagine, though, in the grand scheme, does it matter? Like, we just came, if you're of that thought, we just came from some primordial ooze. Everything in existence on this planet did. So, uh, does it matter if it's sharks or not? Joshua Jones seems to think so. He's very adamant about it. He doesn't want to hate on them anymore if it they are related. Re rewrite shark-human relations for generations to come. Like, it's going to be usher in some utopian shark human alliance that will just change everything <laughs> oh man maybe he knows things that we don't only 
Steven Spielberg knew when he wrote when he did Jaws. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we need to contact him and ask him the hard questions. <laughs> Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yes. What do you know, Stephen, about the human sharks? <laughs> then, as far as the viper shark, it's uh, a, yeah, deep sea fish are effing weird. Uh, they are incredibly adapted creatures. That it's like, how do you even exist down there? It's it's bizarre, and they're always very alien-like and in- intriguing when you see them. They're my absolute favorite. <laughs> your your fish hierarchy goes. Everything at the bottom is at the top, and then as you get closer to the surface, you're like, eh, those things suck. <laughs> Most of all, you know what I hate? Flying fish, because <laughs> they leave the water. <laughs> well, you know what's at the surface? The phytoplankton. Who cares about the phytoplankton? <laughs> no one. <laughs> we didn't, humans didn't come from that. <laughs> just, just swim on over to Twitter now, because <laughs> we're all sharks. And uh, maybe start a war on Twitter because we're not birds and nobody tweets anymore. We should now do whatever sharks do. We can call it like bite. Bite? Or yeah, so bite. <laughs> I sent up my news bite. <laughs> so go ahead and bite or chomp. us on Twitter. A chomp. Chomp, chomp us on Twitter. <laughs> Soon to be renamed to Sharky or something. Uh, swimmer. Okay, call it swimmer. Swimmer. Send us a message or two, or a tweet, as the youngins say. Duel. <laughs> At Cracking Curios. Include a hashtag. Use your favorite one. And also include hashtag Cracked Cryptids. <laughs> They're going to say hashtag Human Sharks. <laughs> you can also, you know, tag tag the, f- the episode you're listening to. If you like this one, say hashtag Human Sharks. Why not? Maybe somebody else will pick up on it. Maybe Joshua Jones is on Twitter and he sees that hashtag and he's like, yes, I've got another one. Or not. I mean, maybe he's a calm, cool, collected guy. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. He could also call the tweets instead of a chomp or a bite, a chum. You know, like when they chum the waters up. Ooh, chum. <laughs> yep. My newest and chum just hit the hit the maybe internet. chum chum are chum are your followers, and then mm. and then and then uh, I don't know. Maybe comments are our barnacles. <laughs> <laughs> God, your feeder fish. <laughs> <laughs> eat the food around you any any techies listening out there make that app <laughs> and then invite us on it and we will we will talk uh, all the cryptid fun and and news that you would want us to talk about but we also talk about it here on this podcast so right after you you go to twitter you follow us on instagram at cracking cryptids and like all of our pictures like all of our things <laughs> Uh, send us messages there too, because you know we've we've had it happen. It's it's not uncommon. And if you're if you're of the older ge- generation, and you're you're not about all that fancy social media, you can always shoot us an email at cracking cryptids and curios. Those are all words, no no shortcuts. Cracking cryptids and curios 
at gmail.com. The at is a symbol. No shortcuts. <laughs> Goddamn millennials, no shortcuts. <laughs> <laughs> and then after you send us all them, in fact, get on Twitter, send us a message, get on Instagram, send us a message, and then send us another message on, on, on the emails just to make sure that we see it. And then if you haven't subscribed to us, first of all, how are you listening to this if you haven't subscribed to us? That's that's absurd. But if you want your friends to listen to us and and not have this be your shameful little secret. <laughs> just, <laughs> Dirty little secret. <laughs> just, just go to your favorite um, podcast um, hosting platform because we're on it. We're on most of them. Sharks. What do sharks do? What they don't make a sound. They just exist. <laughs> they just exist. Chomp, chomp, you guys. Later. Chomp, chomp. This has been an I am actually traveling back into time production. The street sharks, if they were thinking ahead, they could have formed a tornado.